we'll get to episode 248 in just a moment. But before we do, I'd like to ask for your support of this podcast. Whenever you need to shop at Amazon.com this holiday season, please use my affiliate link by going to ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. Shop as you normally do. Check out as you normally do. It doesn't cost you anything more. And I may earn a small commission on qualifying purchases. Again, that's ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. And remember, I Can't See You sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I-C-A-N-T-C-U dot com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there and welcome to episode 248 of I Can't See You. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode, and as usual, I've got a few things to talk about. I had a rough week in the fantasy football, so I'm not going to spend too much time. I was up one and down one, but the one that I lost to TJ was in the all-blind league. I beat Brian in the Keeper League, it's called Tecmo Bowl, which I think is kind of funny. If you remember back in the day, there was a great video game called Tecmo Bowl. (laughs) I won in that. I'm right in the middle of the pack of both. I think I'm still in the playoff hunt for both. I think I'm four and four in the blind league and maybe five and three in the Tecmo Bowl League. And I got smoked by Frank in the fantasy hockey. I lost eight to one. It was just a br- <laughs> it was just a brutal week. Usually my goalies keep me going, at least keep it close. They were horrible last week. And I do have a couple of good goalies. The main guy from Boston, the main guy from Colorado. Sad to say, but I don't even know their names. I kind of do, but I'll just call them the main guys from those two teams. <laughs> and then I also have a guy from Edmonton who I only play when I need to get a start in because he's mediocre at best. In fact, I'm recording this on Thursday, the 2nd of November. I have him playing tonight, I believe. I'm going to lead off with a short bit about Ziggy. We've been really worried about him. We thought, as the vet had told us after our last visit, that it looked like he had Addison's disease. Fortunately, that's not the case. He said he was 70% sure it was that. He went back to the vet on Monday of this week, and it turns out it's something else. I'll play the audio for you from the call. It is good news because it's not nearly as serious as Addison's disease. So I'll play you this, and you can hear what it is because I couldn't quite make <laughs> make out what it is. So take a listen to our vet. Hi, this is Dr. Mann. I hope you're doing well. Interesting news. It looks like we did test positive for C. diff, which is easily treatable, Clostridium difficile. Um, and it looks like this one isn't um, going to be a big deal. So you just need some different antibiotics. So definitely a sigh of relief there as far as Ziggy is concerned. He started the meds today. Liz picked him up on her way home. So the next couple of weeks, he's going to have those. And he stays on the crazy expensive GI food. Uh, not GI like you're you're in the Army. Uh, and he seems to like it. Again, he's he's pretty food motivated and just about everything gets him motivated. If you can eat it, which is even non-food items, he's happy about it. So that was good news there on Ziggy. The main focus on this episode is going to be on Laugh for Sight, not just the event itself, but getting to and from the event, which, of course, as they say, getting there is half the fun. <laughs> for me, it's most of the challenge. And it started off, (laughs) it was kind of funny. I got into the Uber to go to 30th Street Station. I got into the Uber in front of my house, going to 30th Street Station, and the Uber driver, his name was Henry, he is talking to me about, oh, are you going to New York? And I don't know how he knew that. He knew he was taking me to 30th Street Station. I guess it's a 50-50 guess whether I'm going to New York or Washington. And, of course, there are trains that leave from 30th Street that can go other places. I'll be going to Harrisburg next week. Uh, You can go to Baltimore. You can go to Boston, Pittsburgh, wherever. If it's – 
a decent-sized city, you can go there. Even some of the small cities along the way from Philadelphia to Harrisburg, like Downingtown or Exton or Malvern, you can go there as well. Why you would take a Amtrak train there, I don't know. But we were talking, and he said, uh, so you're going to New York? Uh, what are you going to do up there? And I told him I was going to a fundraising event at Gotham Comedy Club called Laugh Recite. I said, my biggest challenge, though, is going to be getting from Penn Station to my daughter's apartment on the Upper West Side. And I knew what I had to take. I didn't know where I was going to catch it, where I was going to pick it up. Jane and I kind of went over when she was home a couple of weeks ago where I kind of had to go to pick up the number one train, the number one line uh, on the uh, New York City subway system. And, of course, when I got off the Amtrak train in New York... I ended up at the old Penn Station, which is okay, but I haven't been there in probably a year and change, so I didn't remember where anything was. And I was hoping that I'd get out at Moynihan Train Hall, which is the newer version, and I kind of remembered there what I had to do, but okay, I had to wait. And it kind of requires coming out of your comfort zone because I couldn't see anything that day. And and it's funny. It always seems, and I know that sounds funny when you're listening to a podcast about a blind guy saying he couldn't see anything. Duh. Uh, most days I can see a little something. But my vision, and I'm I'm 95% sure it correlates with taking my shot for the psoriatic arthritis, which I had taken a week earlier. And it's one of those things that you take every four weeks. So... As the weeks go by, all the side effects and the benefits of the shot dissipate. So by the end of the four weeks, my vision seems better and my <laughs> my joints hurt more. Before I left my house to get into the Uber, I took a moisturizing drop, which did the opposite. Instead of clearing my vision up, it made it even worse. Imagine, and again, my vision is never great. But it was worse that day, and it, I likened it to – usually I, I see everything is fuzzy, but at least I have a little bit of depth perception with some things. After I took that – well, even before I took the drop, my vision wasn't great. When I took the drop, everything seemed like it was one dimension. It seemed like if you ever put on a pair of glasses, and I don't know why you would do this, but if you ever put on a pair of glasses that had Vaseline smeared all over it, that's what it looked like. It was just a bunch of blurs and blobs and not even being able to make out the shape of a person. It just looked like a blob to me. And so I get off the train and I come upstairs to the station. I'm like, oh no, this is regular Penn Station. It's busier, and it just was very unfamiliar because, like I said, I hadn't been there in a while. So I take my phone out, and I had texted Liz right as I was getting off the train, right before we pulled into the station. I said, you know, my vision is terrible. And then she responded, and I said, you know what? I can't, I can't see more than, <laughs> more than normal I can't see today. And so I come up. I'm standing there. And so I just take my phone out and I turn on seeing AI. Oh, turn on seeing AI. It's like it's a it's got a little knob that I could turn it on. I open the seeing AI app. <laughs> and I just start moving it around and listening to hear what it says. And finally as I moved it around, I hear something that says red cap. I said, "All right, you know what? That sounds like it might be a desk over there. Maybe I could talk to one of the guys and they'll tell me what I have to do to get to the subway." So I head over there, and I'm standing there, and there, there's a couple of folks talking. And again, I take my phone out because I'm not sure if I'm at the exact right spot. And I hear a sign that says employees only or something like that. Well, at that moment, someone came out from behind the desk or the room or whatever was there. There was definitely some sort of counter there. So this lady saw me standing there, this lady who had come out from behind there on her way somewhere. I think she was going home. She asked if she could help me, and I said, yeah, I'm trying to find the subway. I need the number one train, number one line. And she says, as I believe she was pointing, (laughs) 
go down those stairs over there and walk all the way to the end, then hang a right, and then walk all the way down and to the end, and it'll be on your left. And when she said, go down those steps over there, I said around one or two o'clock to my one or two o'clock the way I was standing, and she said yes. So I walked over to the stairs, I walked down, and the way she made it sound, and, it, and I'll, it's kind of funny how she said that, and then the next guy said, go all the way down, and that's this lady used those same words, go all the way down until you can't go any further. Well, the lady's all the way down, and the guy's all the way down, the difference was probably a football field. Because when I went down the stairs, I walked probably 50 or 60 yards. Then I hung the right to go all the way down, which was easily 100 yards, maybe more, through a fairly busy area. And I found out when I was walking, coming home the next day, and and Jane and I took the subway back to uh, the train station. Let's call it Moynihan because that's where we ended up. And that's where I wanted to be and needed to be, I guess, for the train that I was going to get on. Since Jane was with me, she knew everything and could obviously read the signs. But she was pointing different things out to me. She said, oh, this is where New Jersey Transit is and so forth and so on. So I, now I understood why it was so busy there the day before. It was busy because it was at the beginning of rush hour and everybody's trying to go home, whether it's on the subways, which were all the way down on the left for the number one line, or the New Jersey transit trains, or any of the other trains that may have been there. After I made the right, and I'm dodging people, and I I pull out my phone, and I I was walking for a while, so I, I wondered if I was even going the right way. I thought, maybe did I get it wrong? And I read the signs. I could tell that there were signs overhead, electronic signs, and it was reading me things that I didn't need. And so I just kept going and kept going, and finally I get to where I had to, I couldn't go any further, and I saw some turnstiles on the left, And I saw that there was a ticket booth. And so I went up to the ticket booth and I said, can I use Apple Pay at the turnstile to to get my subway? And he said, hang on one second. He opens the door and lets me in. And I said, I need the number one uptown. And he said, go all the way down to the elevator and that'll take you to the correct platform. I said, that's the only thing on that platform? He said, yes. He said, there's an elevator on the way that would take you to the two and three. You don't want that one. So go all the way down. Well, honest to God, I may have only walked about 10 paces to go all the way down. And I see a guy standing near a wall that had some glass. It looked like it had glass or maybe it was metal. And I said to him, is that an elevator? And he said, yes. I said, is that for the number one uptown? And he said, yes. I said, awesome. So I was so excited that I found that, and then we get on the elevator, we go, I'm not even sure if we went up or down once we got, I'm, I'm guessing we went, I'm guessing we went down, but it felt like we were going up, and I'm not 100% sure because the next day when Jane and I got off the subway, we actually went down to get to that same level, so I'm guessing we went up at that point in the elevator going to the number one uptown. So the subway comes and I get on and I always laugh because Jane will say, oh, I just missed a train. Well, as we were getting off the elevator, a train was pulling out of the station. We didn't wait more than two or three minutes till another one came in. And I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking, how does she always miss the one and then it takes eight long minutes (laughs) But she always complains about that. And I've talked to other people and they say the same thing. And I guess that's what you're used to. You want, you want to go right away. And in Swarthmore, if I miss a train, most likely it's not coming again for another hour. Again, I know it's different. But that's what I have to deal with in suburban Philadelphia, not downtown New York. So I get on the one and I'm excited. I'm thinking, okay, now I got to listen for the stops. And I, I didn't remember. I knew there was a stop at 96th Street. And I thought that was the the last one before the one I had to get off on. And, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So at the beginning, when it was a little more crowded from maybe the train station up to maybe Midtown, it was pretty crowded. People were standing. A lot of people were standing, 
But as we went further uptown, once we got into the, I, I guess it was 72nd Street, there were still seats available. If you wanted to, if you got on, you could sit down. And so after most of the folks, most of the crowd got off, I was able to hear the lady making the announcements. She made it once as the door closed, saying, next stop, whatever the street name was, number was. And then as we arrived, she said, whatever this street, whatever this stop name was. And so when we got to 96, I knew that I had to get off at the next one. There were a couple of kids, I guess, going home from school. It was kind of funny because they caught my attention initially because <laughs> they were talking about fantasy football and they were talking about Nick Chubb, who I have on my, my team in the All-Blind League. And, of course, he's out for the year. And and then they started talking about basketball. So I, I would guess that they were probably middle school or maybe freshmen in high school. They were pretty young. And one of those kids got off also at 103rd Street, where I got off. So I got off, and as I'm coming out of the train, Jane had said, make sure you go up the stairs that are in the middle of the platform. How I would know I was in the middle of the platform, I don't know, but I saw a lot of people going up some stairs, so I went up those stairs. And then I saw the turnstiles and followed the people that way, and somebody grabbed my arm and said, oh, here, let me help you. <laughs> And he helped me through the turnstile. And I'm pretty sure he worked there. And I said, okay, I want to go. He said, do you want to go north? I said, no, no, I want to go I want to go on the west side of Broadway. And he said, uh, okay, hang a right and go to the left when you get to the end. And again, it was, he didn't say all the way down, but again, it was maybe 10 paces. <laughs> so I walked all the way down, made the left. And as I'm going up the right side of the stairs, there's a, person coming down. I think it was a lady. She had this huge bag or cart or something. And she says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm blocking your way. And I said, no worries. And I went around her on the left. That's all. And she should have been on the left, but whatever. I got around her. I didn't trip or what, whatnot. So I come above ground. I know that um, where I need to be, I cross over the one street. And I know that once I did that, I was good to go. I just had to go to the next, the end of the that block and hang a right, and I was going to be at Jane's building. Now, the one thing that threw me off, the only time I've been to Jane's building, and I've been there a couple of times, I guess, the only times that I've been to that building, there's been scaffolding up. And I'm thinking, how am I going to know if I'm at the right place? There's no scaffolding. All the scaffolding was down. And then I could make out what looked to be some sort of awning or structure above the sidewalk at the next set of doors. And I realized that was where I needed to go in. So I went in and I talked to the guy at the desk, the doorman, and he told me to go on up. And then I guess he called Jane. And as I was going for the elevator, somebody saw me heading to the elevator and said, Oh, I'll, I'll help you here. This, this one right over here. And he said, Oh, what number are you going to? And I told him the floor number and he pressed it. And I said, I thanked him and he got off. So I don't know. He was also somebody that worked at the the building, whether it was the super or it was some other doorman type of person. I don't know, but got me up there. I knew once I was on the floor, I had to make a left and then another left. And then Jane's was the first apartment on the left. So three lefts I had to make. So I pressed her doorbell, which wasn't very loud, but I mean, <laughs> it's a studio. It's not like a cavernous mansion that I was heading into. <laughs> So I went in and Jane was still working. And so I went in, and I said hello to her. We talked for a little bit and then she had a call uh, in uh, internal touch base with folks on her team for one of her brands. And so <laughs> before the actual call started, as people were coming on, I was talking to a couple of her coworkers and that was kind of cool. And then she went and did her call. I went on my phone for a bit. And when she was done the call, you know, we went back to talking and so forth. But I was so happy that I got there. And at that point, I got a call from my friend Alex. And, and I said, guess where I am? And he took a couple of guesses and guessed wrong. And I said, no, I'm at Jane's apartment. He's like, oh, why are you there? And, and I told him, and I told him how happy I was that I got up there. I got a text from someone in the NFB who had asked me a question. And I told her that, I said, I just, I just got to my daughter's place. I said, I feel like I landed on the moon. And I was so happy that I got there. That was going to be the main difficult part of the trip. Getting from the station, getting from Penn Station, Moynihan Train Hall, 
up to Jane's place. And Jane had said to me, she said, do you want me to meet you at Penn Station? I said, no, because no matter what happens, it'll give me something to talk about on the podcast. And when I was on my way, she's like, do you want me to meet you in in the lobby? I said, no. I said, if I can get all the way to your lobby, I sure as hell can find my way up to the fifth floor. Again, I wanted to do it all on my own. And with the help of a few people, the lady at the red cap, the guy who didn't charge me to go on the subway and gave me the directions. So I saved $2.90. So it was a very economical (laughs) trip up because I didn't stay in a hotel. I ended up staying at Jane's place on her couch, which was fine. Her place was a little toasty warm, but... You know, without the heat being on, there was still plenty of heat in there. But it saved me a few hundred dollars, probably. I Hopefully she's not going to listen to this because she's going to think, oh, I saved him a few few hundred bucks. Maybe I could get that a different way. <laughs> Let me go buy something. So she got done work at around 6, 6.15. I'm not sure exactly what time. Then she got ready. We jumped back on the subway, went back down a little past where I had gotten on, and got off in Chelsea uh, at 23rd Street and I think it was 7th Avenue and crossed over 23rd and and we were basically there at Gotham Comedy and Jake's Saloon. Jake's Saloon was where we ate dinner and then afterwards we met up with Brian and uh, some other folks who were at the event. Last year, the pregame dinner, if you will, was a whole bunch of us because Nick and his girlfriend Edith were in town from Montreal and Frank and his wife had come over from Long Island. So there were, there were a bunch of us together. This time it was just Jane and I. There was another blind person at a table. I want to say it was a group of five or six people behind me. Again, just judging by the voices that were there. But I don't know that anybody else that I would have known was there. So Jane and I had dinner, and it was pretty good, as as it was last year. And we then walked a couple doors down to the comedy club after we finished. And we (laughs) we walked in, and the lady said, okay, you can sit right up against the stage, or you can sit against the back wall. And I thought, oh, brother. I said, all right, we'll take the close seats. So we were at table three, and at this point, I I found out today that we actually got there after a few things had happened. We got there, and Ed had made an announcement, and after the announcement came, uh, I went over and I said hello to him, and we talked for a couple of minutes. Then I went back to the table again. I was at table three. Jane and I were at table three, and it was kind of weird because it was a four-top, and there were two other people there. When we got there, there was only one other person there. His name was Chris. And I later found out his last name was Lucas because I asked him, I said, oh, are you here? You know, who are you here to see? Are you friends with Brian? He said, I'm actually going on. (laughs) And I said, oh, okay. And then he told me a little bit of the story. His dad worked for the Yankees for 65 years doing color commentary. I don't know what job he did before he did the broadcasting bit. But he then told the rest of the story on stage. His father had sight, was playing baseball, got hit right between the eyes with a line drive when he was 12. And that ball was the last thing he saw. And maybe he didn't even see the ball at this point. I, you know, I guess if he saw the ball, he maybe would have caught it or got out of the way. But his dad, he was saying, pretty much developed color commentary for broadcasts. And I don't know from what year to what year he was a broadcaster. He did mention that he was partnered with Phil Rizzuto. Yes, the one from the money store. (laughs) That may be dating myself, but the older folks will get it. (laughs) And so we talked to him for a little bit. And as we're sitting there again, before everything started, another guy comes over and sits down next to Jane, in between Jane and Chris. And he introduced himself. He said, hi, my name is Michael. And we talked briefly and... I didn't think anything more of it, but after the show, and I'll get to the show in a minute, but after the show, we went over and met up with Brian for a minute, and he he said, oh, where were you sitting? And we told him we were at this table over there, number three, right against the stage. In fact, during during the show, my feet at times were propped up on the stage. And I said we were sitting with Chris Lucas and a guy named Michael. 
He said, oh, that must have been Michael from Oco. Oco is that app, which I've talked about probably six or eight episodes ago, that you use that reads the walk, don't walk sign or the red robot, white robot, walk and don't walk signs. And I wish I had known that obviously sitting there. And I asked Jane, I said, Jane, did that guy sound like he had an accent? Because the folks from Oco are from Belgium, where I do have one listener, although they didn't listen to the last episode. And I'll get to that in a minute, too. Why Not why they didn't listen, but there was an issue, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So back to the show. So Chris went on first, and he talked about the story, some of which I'd already heard because he told me while we were sitting at the table and went into more things about it. And then Brian went on, and Brian was funny, he and Wes. Now, the funny thing was with Wes, there was someone at a, a table right in front of the stage that also had a guide dog. By, by the way, Wes is Brian's guide dog. <laughs> And Wes was wagging his tail and actually barked once or twice at the dog who was probably only six feet away from him. And I was wondering how distracting that was from, for Brian as he's trying to go through his set. Again, you're, you're not reading off any cards. You're talking and going from memory, you know, when you do your set. He went through and, it, again, it was a really good, uh, good set for him and... Again, I was more fearful of what if Wes was throwing him off with his timing or his delivery or whatnot, and he said no, he didn't. Brian McCarthy, who was a friend of Brian's, was the host of the event, uh, and he did a great job as usual. He's pretty funny, full of energy, <laughs> and um, did a great job bringing folks on. And as they went through to the different performers, there were some that we loved uh, – Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarlane, who we found out after the show, in fact, after we got home, uh, back to Jane's place, that they're married. And it's funny because (laughs) Bonnie went on after Rich and was saying how dumb her husband was. And again, we're laughing and she's telling stories. (laughs) And then when we got home and realized that, you know, saw that they were married, we thought, oh, my God, that's pretty funny. Uh, But they were they were both very good. Jim Gaffigan was good. Um, they were the three that I think I liked the most. Jim Gaffigan, Rich Voss, and uh, Bonnie McFarlane. Uh, but they were all good. And um, Robert Klein was the headliner. He did a great job. And at one point, <laughs> he made a, a, a mistake. I forget what he was talking about, but he said um, he played he played her wife in some movie and, and, you know, then somebody corrected him. He said, what do you want? I'm 81. Um, and there were some other jokes that he told while I understood them. Jane had no idea. He made some sort of joke about an O. Henry bar. And I don't think they've been made since the 1980s. If they have been, I'd like to know. Cause I, I, I forget exactly what they even tasted like, but they were for Hank Aaron. And I, Pretty sure they came out in the mid-70s, and again, I don't know how long they lasted, but I'm pretty sure they're long gone. So Jane didn't know what that was. There was some other thing that he said that she wouldn't have gotten and didn't understand. Uh, but he did a great job, and it's funny all the different movies that he's been in that I never even realized. And he has a master's, I think Jane said, from Yale. She was, again, looking up everybody after the, after the evening was over. But it was a lot of fun, and we caught up with Brian after the show in Gotham Comedy Club, and we talked to him for a minute, and he said, oh, are you going next door to Jake's? And I said, yeah, we can go for a little bit. Jane, of course, had work the next day, so I didn't want to stay out too late for her. So we got back to Jane's. She went over that stuff. I checked some email and things like that. We went to bed, (laughs) and at one point I woke up, and I was so warm I realized I had to go to the bathroom and I had no idea what time it was. And I didn't want to get up and I knew my stirring would wake Jane up unless it was long before we were going to get up. I think we got up at, I got up at 6.15, 6.30. I forget what time. It was the same time her alarm goes off, but she doesn't get out of bed when that first alarm goes off. It's a little bit later, like half an hour later. So I touched my phone and it said 3.48. I said, oh, I can't wait until morning to go. So I got up, I went, 
got back into, I don't want to say bed because it was a couch, but got back under the covers and went back to sleep. And then the next morning, Jane had warned me about her shower. <laughs> the, the pressure is great. And I, I know I've talked many times about a shower and how it, it can make or break my day because of the arthritis and stiffness and pain that I have. So if it's a good one and I could get nice and warm and well, Jane's was feast or famine. It was either scolding hot or it was ice cold. And just turning the knob a millimeter one way or the other switched it from one to the other. It was awful. In fact, at one point it was so hot, I was trying to reach around without touching any, having any of the water touch me just to try and cool it off. And sometimes it would stay at the temperature I liked at that one spot and then all of a sudden it would change. And then I'd had to have to start fiddling with it again. That and the fact that it was unfamiliar and like anything else, I'm feeling around for stuff. But I made it, obviously made it through. <laughs> but we got done. I got done a lot faster than I do at home. And so I said, you know, why don't we just get going? And we ended up leaving the apartment a little earlier than we had planned, which was good because then we had some time. We walked around Moynihan Train Hall for a bit. She got a matcha from the place she loves there. And I got Starbucks, and I was able to eat it in the lounge. As we're sitting in the lounge, we see Carla from Food Network walk by. I didn't see her. Jane, Jane saw her. She said, hey, there goes – we call her Hootie because when she was on, I guess it was Top Chef, she was trying to find someone else in her group. And she said, oh, when my husband and I are in a store and we get separated, one of them says Hootie and the other one says who. And so – We've called her that since whatever season she was on Top Chef. But Jane sees her walk by. It's the second time we've seen someone from Food Network in New York. We were at Chelsea Market once and saw, and I forget her name. She was on the kitchen, and I guess it was tough for her because she lives out in California. Uh, so she ended up leaving that show within the last year or two. I, I forget her name. But we saw her at Chelsea Market at a spice store. So we're waiting, and I said, Jane, you know, we didn't get any kind of selfie. We should have taken one at Gotham. I said, well, let's take one here. <laughs> and the last time we were in New York, we took one in the same uh, lounge, at Amtrak Lounge. So this time, if you go to Instagram and you can, at David Benj, you'll see the picture of Jane and I, the selfie in front of a train board, which is kind of funny because when she first sent the image to me, it started reading the different trains that were on the board behind us, which was kind of funny. At least my phone did, obviously. If your phone, if you don't have voiceover on, it's not going to tell you that. You're going to have to read it on your own. We're sitting there and we're talking and I asked, I said, does it have where the, the gate is yet for, for my train? And she's like, no. And then they made an announcement a little earlier than what they normally do, Jane said. She said, come on, we got to go. Let's go and, uh, and I'll walk you to the gate. To the, to the stairs, and she said, oh, I'll just walk down with you. The last time they let her, and this time nobody even bothered, and she walked me down, made sure I wasn't going on the quiet car, because God knows I don't want to be on that. And I get on the train, I hugged her, said goodbye, she went up down the street to work, which isn't too far from the station there, and I waited on the train, waited to leave. Train ride was uneventful, other than the fact that it was probably the only time I've been on a New York to Philly train. It only had two stops in between. We stopped in at Newark and we stopped in Trenton. Sometimes they've made like four or five stops. They also stop at uh, Newark International. They stop at Metroplex or something like that. Uh, we stopped at North Philadelphia once. Just this time it was just two, which was nice. So the train ride down was only an hour and 20 minutes. The next event came when I was at 30th Street Station. I got off the train, come up to the main level of the train station, and I thought, before I do anything, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and then I'll order the Uber. And I completely forgot <laughs> about some tickets that I had to buy. I'll get to that in a minute. I go to the bathroom, and I come out of the bathroom, and as I'm walking, and again, my vision still is worse than normal this on this day. I'm walking back towards the main area of 30th Street Station. And I notice someone coming towards me. Again, I notice a blob coming towards me. So I kind of veer a little bit to my right. And just as I do that, 
I catch with my right shoulder a jut out, and I didn't hit it hard, even though I was walking not my normal fast speed, but for most people, it was probably faster than what they walk. And I kind of bounced off that, and I keep going, and I, I walk another five to ten paces, and then this lady starts yelling at me, hey, watch where you're going, watch out. And I said, are you talking to me? She said, yeah. She said, you have to watch where you're going. I said, what do you mean? I said, you see, I have this cane, this long white cane. You can see that I'm blind, right? She said, you got to watch where you're going. I said, and how do you want me to do that? That's what this cane is for. It never hit anything. So I don't know what you're complaining for. It, it didn't touch you. Yeah, but you almost tripped me. I said, well, it didn't, and it didn't touch you, so I'm thinking all is good. And she said, you got to slow down. You're walking too fast. I said, if I were walking slower, would that have made a difference? And she said, maybe. I said, you saw me. And... She said, you just have to watch out. Again, lady, I can't watch out. I can't see. And it kind of made me a little little agitated. And I'm thinking, was I at fault? I probably was. But I didn't see her, clearly. And I'm guessing if she had vision, which I'm pretty sure she did, she saw me. My cane never touched her. And she avoided me. So all is good. And I don't know who's at fault there, because again, I didn't see her. Am I supposed to walk a different way than I'm normally used to walking because I I can't see? Is that how it is? I'm supposed to be like everybody else. If somebody with sight can walk fast, why can't I? Again, Cain never touched her, never touched her feet, never touched any place else on her. I've been in situations where a blind person's cane has gone between my legs, like I'm... uh, playing hockey and almost get tripped up this didn't happen it didn't touch her so i don't know what this i don't know what the situation could be and how it could be different there but it kind of irritated me and maybe this is what threw me for going to the going to the ticket desk i was tasked with buying brian fishler's tickets from new york to harrisburg for the NFB of PA State Convention next week. And so I completely forgot after all that. (laughs) And I went over after the confrontation I had with this lady and I just ordered the Uber. And when I got home, I'm like, oh, I was supposed to get tickets today. So I get in the Uber. Well, I order the Uber and I kind of see a car to my left, maybe 10 yards to my left with hazards on. That's how I noticed them, the flashing lights. And I thought, is that my Uber? But it said a minute away. And then it said the person's name had arrived. And I'm like, oh, maybe that was them. But that car drove right past me. And then I realized I got a phone call and it was the Uber driver. And they said, hey, I just drove right by you. I said, you did. I said, well, where are you now? And I hear some, he says, I'm trying to back up. And I hear a car not where they're picking up people, but in the lane where you're supposed to drive. And I see another car just sitting in front of us, which was either a very light beige or a white or maybe a silver. It was a, it was a light color car, which I could see. The other car, the, the one that I ended up getting in, was a dark gray Camry. And I, there was a, a guy standing next to me. I said, I said, I see a car in front of us. Is there a car in front of them? He said, do you mean the Camry? I said, yeah. I said, is it gray? (laughs) He said, yeah. I said, that's my car. So I made sure it was clear, and I walked over, and the person said, oh, I was going to come and get you. I said, well, I'm here. It's okay. And so I got in the car. We drove like a probably well above the speed limit on the way home. I got home safely, and and that was that. But uh, it was a nice trip other than the incident at 30th Street Station. And again, I don't know if you have an idea of what I should have done differently or whether I was at fault. Uh, I'd love to know. Please reach out 646-926-6350. Let me know what you think or email me, I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I don't know who has the right of way. I don't know which way. She, I, I'm, I'm guessing she was, uh, she was 
um, when she started yelling at me, she was on my left and she ended up on my right in front of me. So I'm guessing she was coming from my left. There, there was just no way I, I just didn't see her and she obviously could see me. So what do I do in that situation? If you have an idea, <laughs> please, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, reach out if you do with the voicemail. I obviously will play it in an upcoming episode. So I mentioned earlier about last week's episode. I went to post last week's episode on the website, which can now be found at icantseeyou.com slash 247. I couldn't even get in. And it took me four or five days to get into my site There was some malware, and I had been hacked by someone to the point where my passwords wouldn't work. If my passwords did work, I would end up at a 404 page not found or 403 forbidden page. And so I ended up having to pay for someone to fix it, and this guy did a great job. He did it within two or three days, and that was the – I got – found him on Fiverr, and – Again, all is good now with the site, it seems, and I'm back on. I, like I said, I posted the episode, and since I posted the episode, I'm always curious how many people listen through the episode or through the uh, show notes page. And as soon as I posted the page, I did notice that there were more downloads because there were downloads were not the same amount as usual for the first day or two. And I thought, okay, well, I can't judge the amount of downloads by the topic of this one because I don't know how many people go through the website to listen and find it that way. So I don't know what happened and how long it's been like that or if it had something wrong with it and then it just got worse. I don't know. But it's fixed now. And now I just have to start cleaning things up. I'm going to migrate it over to the other host, hopefully by the end of the year. Fingers crossed that it happens. But com is up and running now, and you can obviously go have a look. But I think I'm going to hire a VA to help me go through the different posts. I don't think I'm going to migrate all the posts over. Obviously, all the podcast episodes will make their way over. But I don't know about Some of the posts are only 100 to 200 words long and just silly things that I was thinking at the time. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. It's, it doesn't, you know, they're from... I launched that site back in, I don't know, 2007 or 2008. I want to say 2007, maybe even 2006. So obviously the posts are, even the ones about my vision are probably not even relevant anymore. But again, that's my goal is to get that migrated by the end of the year. And then once I do figure out the email situation with it and and get that straightened out as well, I may buy the Google Workspace where they handle the email for the site. That brings us to Just Listen. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, we had Believe You Can, and I didn't play it last week because I hadn't gone through the audio files. (laughs) Well, spoiler alert, I still haven't gone through the audio files. As I mentioned last week, Jorgen Hansen had given me permission to use his performance. So I'm going to play some of his performance. His song is called Happy. He wrote it himself. It's a really good song. I, I was surprised... And it really got in all our heads. After the event, we were talking, <laughs> a few of us were talking, and the song just started popping up. One of the people started saying, yeah, that song was really good. I really liked it and started singing some of it. And again, that was the first time we heard it. Besides Jorgen, I also have a clip from Rachel, who is down at the Louisiana Center, also going for her master's in... O&M at, I think it's called Louisiana Tech. And if you, it sounds familiar about Louisiana Center, last episode, I mentioned episode 086 of White Canes Connect that had Pam Allen on it. Pam Allen is the director of the Louisiana Center down there in, I believe it's called Ruston, Louisiana. So from Believe You Can 2023, here is Jorgen doing his original song called Happy and Rachel with a great voice doing some opera in Italian. Just take a listen on Just Listen. This one is from my first album, Heroes of Me, and uh, it's called Happy. Last night I was walking down the street with a smile on my face 
I was happy as a guy can be. Everything was wonderful and the moon was shining bright. I was thinking about you. All the memories that we shared together. Happy, you make me feel so happy. Every child away. Happy, you make me feel so happy. Every night and day. You make me laugh when I wanna cry. You make me smile when I just want to lay down and die. Happy, oh, happy. Please bring back that feeling once again. I went down to the place where we used to hang around. The spirit was there. I could feel it everywhere. I want to bring it back, and I want to have you here. Would you go away? I need to have you here. You were the sunshine on a rainy day. This is a, a little, a cute little fun song called Vittoria Mio Core, um, and it is by Giacomo Carissimi. The meaning of the title is Victorious My Heart, which me, uh, which is essentially um, saying that I am so happy to be out of love now. <laughs> Vittoria, 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 Vittoria Mio Core, non lacrimar più, non lacrimar più, e scelta d'amore la vie servitù. Vittoria, Vittoria Mio Core, non lacrimar più, e scelta d'amore la vie servitù. As I mentioned previously, Rachel's voice is just incredible. And when we did the sound check with her, she's like, should I do something else? I said, we said, no, we, you're great. It sounded great. And there's no doubt if we had voting, she would have been in the top three. No doubt in my mind. And again, Jorgen's piece was so good that he may have also been in there. It wasn't maybe as good as Rachel, at least voice. And you could kind of hear there. But again, it's... His own, his own song that he he wrote and did everything for. So that was part of Believe You Can. There were other great performers on Believe You Can, but as I mentioned last week, one guy named Michael did a Garth Brooks song, which obviously I don't have Garth Brooks' permission to play it here. And so I'm, I'm not... Uh, Simon did an Elton John song, and there were some other good performers as well. Actually, everybody was, for the most part, was top quality there were a couple folks whose audio was a little weird and it was it was a shame but everybody was really good for believe you can or great as you could hear by rachel and jorgen there but they are both from believe you can again a great great show this year once we post it on youtube i'll put a link and you can go check it out finally before we finish i just want to mention episode 08 Eight of White Canes Connect. And in it, it's actually not a normal podcast episode. I do the intro. And by saying I do the intro, I actually <laughs> haven't done the intro yet. But the episode is last year's main presentation at the NFB of Pennsylvania State Convention in Pittsburgh, in which I went to the emergency room and whatnot. But I didn't miss this. And this was outstanding. Now, the main presentation section of the podcast that I'm about to mention is unedited. Obviously, my intro and outro, if need be, will be edited if, if I make a mistake. 
but the presentation will not be edited. It was outstanding. It had, I forget what we called them, the spacemen. It was Dr. David Hurd and Dr. Matt Marone from their universities. Matt was from Georgia. David Hurd was from a college, I forget the name of the college at this point, but out near Pittsburgh, they were showing how they could teach and do teach blind and visually impaired folks and can teach them astronomy. They had all sorts of braille and tactile graphics. Dr. Marone had this Orion uh, that was done on a 3D printer. It had both Braille as well as the tactile different uh, stars and whatnot, whatever's on Orion's belt and so forth. I, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> so you could see it really stuck with me. Um, but again, it was very cool. And I actually sent it in with Liz when I brought, he had these 3D printer, uh, printouts for, uh, for everyone. So I sent mine in with Liz and she, it's in her old classroom. So it was just very, very cool Dr. Hurd put a couple of books together, one of the solar system. So besides the solar system book that, again, was tactile and made, I'm guessing, on a device that Dan Gardner sells. He was another person who, I don't remember if he did the presentation with the two doctors or if he did a presentation before, but it enables 3D printouts to help blind and visually impaired kids color or feel how, for example, one of the printouts he had at his, at his table in the exhibit hall, uh, it was Bart Simpson, so you could kind of feel how he is shaped and his hair and, and everything about it. Uh, but these books were really cool. And again, Dr. Hurd printed enough of them so that there were plenty to bring home. We took a bunch to St. Lucy's uh, for their Christmas party, and all the kids got them. Again, both the solar system and the lunar surface. Uh, just very cool. So episode 088 of White Canes Connect is Dr. Matt Marone and Dr. David Hurd's presentation at the 2022 National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania State Convention in Pittsburgh. So check that out. Again, episode 088 of White Canes Connect. That is all I have for this episode, episode 248 of I Can't See You. As usual, reach out on the socials at David Benj on Facebook, Instagram, threads, on Twitter slash X, on LinkedIn, and on YouTube where you can even listen to the episodes at David Benj. You can also reach out via phone 646-926-926. 6350. You've got up to three minutes. Please leave your name in town. If you do leave a voicemail, and I will use it on an upcoming episode. Again, 646-926-6350. And you can reach out via email as well. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can see you podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really do appreciate it. Be well, stay safe, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.